Hey, my name is Jason. I'm the producer of Relationship Radio. I wanted to let you know that we have a brand new website solely dedicated to working on your pies. Introducing itstartswithattraction.com. You can listen to every episode, learn about the pies, and sign up for our weekly newsletter. Go to itstartswithattraction.com. It starts with attraction, one word. It starts with attraction.com to get signed up today. If you are in a situation where your spouse has stopped talking to you or just has become disengaged, then this podcast episode or YouTube video, depending on where you're watching, is exactly what you need to hear. Because typically, when you're trying to figure out how to get a spouse to talk to you, you're going to hear that either you should ignore them or you should bombard them with text message calls, emails. We are going to share with you what you should do, and we call it smart contact. This is Relationship Radio, an extension of Marriage Helper International, hosted by renowned marriage and relationship expert, Dr. Joe Beam, and CEO of Marriage Helper, Kimberly Beam Holmes. We answer your questions directly with research-based principles that you can implement immediately. Regardless of the situation, what we teach will not only make your relationships better, but will also help you to become the best version of yourself along the way. Turn up the volume and prepare to take notes as we begin this week's episode of Relationship Radio. If you have listened to anything we've done before or watched any of our videos, you are familiar with our use of the word smart contact. It's not no contact that some people talk about. At the same time, it's not blowing up the other person's phone or text, trying to make them somehow miss you so badly. You see, both of those are efforts to do things to manipulate the other person. Well, in smart contact, Kimberly, we have a couple of questions about that. Uh, You are an expert on smart contact. Why don't you tell them what smart stands for as we get into this program? By the way, I'm Dr. Joe Beam with the Mission International. This is our CEO, Kimberly Holmes. Smart Contact was an acronym. Actually, it didn't quite start as an acronym, but we made it into an acronym (laughs) that describes a process a person can go through when they are trying to really teach themselves how to best communicate towards their spouse. And it's not just something that a person can do for during separation or during when a spouse is disengaged, although that is where it many times starts, Mm -hmm. but it can also be and should be a, a framework for how people continue to interact with each other and communicate with each other, even in a healthy relationship. So let's go through briefly what each of the letters mean. The S stands for stop push behaviors. So we've talked about push behaviors in depth in many other episodes and YouTube videos, but briefly push again is another acronym that stands for P is the pleading, begging, whining behaviors. The U is unengaging completely. So there are some people that in an effort to try and get their spouse to do what they want them to do or listen to them, just ignore them as a ploy instead of turning towards them and and really diving into what's happening. So again, P, pleading, begging, whining. So that's more of the leaning in. The U is unengaging. That's more of the leaning out. S is starting unnecessary fights. You don't know 
what to talk about. They're not responding to you. So you start pushing some buttons just to elicit any kind of reaction. And then the H is hovering, tracking, controlling types of behaviors. So breaking into their email accounts, their social medias, maybe even following them around town, hiring private investigators, Hmm. all of those things, which... You shouldn't do. It's a push behavior. So that S for smart contact stands for stop doing those push behaviors because they're pushing your spouse further away. Mm -hmm. And then the uh, uh, M stands for. The M is managing business items together. So when we say business items, it doesn't have to mean you own a business together. (laughs) It really more so is a way to to think about non-emotional types of of conversation. So don't go into every time you see them, how could you leave us? Why aren't you talking to me? Why won't you make a decision about what you want to do with our marriage? Because all of those are emotionally charged and it's not going to help you have good conversation. Instead, you want to just talk about these non-emotional things. Talk about how the kids are doing in school or ask how their day at work is going or talk about the taxes or things that are more house related things that are more quote unquote business items. So they, they have less of an emotional charge to them. Things that you would normally be discussing and taking care of anyway, right. at least you should. Right. Right. And the other part of that is it gives you a reason to reach out to them mm-hmm. when those things come up. So don't try and just make up reasons every single day. Well, the faucet broke in the house, so <laughs> I need to contact him about that. And that happens every single day. Yeah, you walk in with a hammer and break right? the faucet. No, that's not That's good. not what we're talking about here. <laughs> but things that are organically happening, you know, our kid had to go to the doctor today. I wanted you to let him know what he said. Or they made an A in class. Or, hey, we got this tax bill. How do you want to proceed in handling it? Those are the things that can help you know how to initiate conversations for things that are just happening in daily life. Okay. And the A? A is allow your spouse to respond. So when you are organically reaching out to your spouse about these things that make sense to reach out to your spouse about, then when you do it, another key here that isn't explicitly stated, but when you do it, you want to make sure that you are inviting the way that you're talking, the way that you are handling yourself is inviting further conversation if the other person feels like they may want to talk to you more. So an example of this could be that let's say the faucet in the house did organically break. It didn't Hmm. get hit on the side with a hammer. (laughs) It It actually broke. So, and in this case, it's a woman, she's calling her husband. Hey, just wanted to let you know the faucet broke. Is there some way that you would want me to proceed with this? Or do you want to come by and fix it? But that's how you're asking. You're not, well, the faucet broke and Mm. I don't know what to do because you're not here. And if you had been here, you had been here, it would never have broken. That's going to just shut them down even more. So you're, you're really maintaining yourself, maintaining your confidence, your self-worth, your dignity, and you're reaching out, just asking a question, a normal question. Mm -hmm. And therefore you're allowing him to respond. He could either just say, call a plumber or who even does it? Call a handyman, let him fix it. Or, and that could be it. Or it could be that he says, "Mm, you know what? I'll come over. I'll see you in a couple of minutes. And when he comes over, you again, don't push it even more. You allow him to be there. Ask him if he wants water. I mean, just be civil towards him. But then if he starts to open up to you, allow it to happen. If he starts saying, you know, well, how's your day going? What's going on with your life? Here's how my work is going. Then be that listening ear. Allow your spouse to respond. This is a stark difference from the other school of thought out there, which is no contact. Yeah. 
which basically says, don't allow your spouse to respond. Yeah, it, that he or she will wind up missing you so badly mm-hmm. because of the fact that you never respond that basically they'll come back begging you to take them in. Right. And our response to that is hogwash. Hogwash. <laughs> if you don't know that phrase, it's a Southern phrase. It means not a good idea. Mm-hmm. So what about the art? The, the art, not art, R. Let me say that correctly. What about the, the R? R? And so the R is to respond back to your spouse in a way that is calm, strong, and gentle. So as they're opening up to you, as they're sharing things, maybe some things you don't want to hear or that are difficult to hear, you you really continue to maintain this dignity, this self-respect, this confidence that you have and and respond back to them by saying, hey, I'm glad you shared that with me. It may hurt to hear, but thank mm. you so much for doing that. So you're continuing to invite, you are becoming a person that your spouse begins to realize I can talk to them. Mm-hmm. They're not going to hit me over the head with a hammer. They're not going to. <laughs> yeah, that would not be that a good idea. Not be a good idea. Yeah. Um, they're not going to just really respond in a way that makes me want to shut down. They really do listen. Maybe we can talk. Okay. And that's what you're doing here. You're taking the situation where you've stopped talking and you're trying to create a a a new environment where both of you feels like the communication can happen well. Okay. And then the T. Take it one day at a time. Hmm. There's not going to be a 100% perfect day every single day, hmm. more than likely. And hmm. so there's going to be days where maybe you mess up, you send that text message you know you shouldn't have sent, or you say something in a way you know you shouldn't have said it. And of course, it's always going to go bad. And so therefore, the next day, you wake up and you say, I'm going to do it again. And this is probably the biggest thing when people ask me questions about it that people get stuck on because they say, I've tried smart contact. Mm. It's not working, Yeah, which is kind of impossible. Now, I say that with this caveat. You can do all of the right things in smart contact and your spouse still has the free will to not respond to you and to continue to leave the marriage. Yes. But what, so what I say, what I mean when I say it's impossible for it to not work, this framework is the healthiest way of communication. And especially in a marriage crisis situation. So there's not really another option of what to do. Okay. So we're removing pushes. And we talk about pushes in different ways, uh, the acronym you just used, but in many other ways, we talk about pushes, removes mm-hmm. pushes, and opens the lines of communication without being manipulative, right. which no contact is mm-hmm. actually designed to be manipulative. Right. Or I'm going to blow up your text and your phone every day, mm-hmm. letting you know I miss you. I want you to come back. That's also manipulative. This is being able to have a conversation with the other person that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, Kimberly, we have all kinds of things out there teaching about smart contact, and we can teach more about that in a minute. But we have a couple of questions about that. And the first comes from a wife. And one of our staff members will read this for us. And let's see if we can answer her question. Hey guys, my name is Jamie and I work on the coaching team here at Marriage Helper. In my role, I am able to help support and strengthen marriages, helping to give hope where the individual may feel there is none. Dr. Beam and Kimberly have asked me to read a question that was submitted to us by one of our listeners. This person asked, I can't find a way to keep a conversation with my husband going after the separation. I'm just afraid of saying anything that may have a negative effect. When smart contact happens, we talk for a while, then things go silent, and I end up doing random things to avoid the awkwardness. 
What should I do to keep the conversation going? It sounds, and she even said it, actually, she explicitly said it. When smart contact happens, we talk for a while Mm -hmm. and then things go silent. So this is a very common question people have. And really what she's asking here is what's next? If it's working, when it's working, do I just keep doing the exact, exactly what smart contact tells me to do? Or does it, does it change? Does it? Mm -hmm. But is she also asking like, okay, the smart contact took place for 10 minutes. I expected more conversation. And when the more conversation didn't happen, then I started fidgeting around doing things because I was nervous because I wanted the conversation to continue, but didn't know what to do next. Let's start with that. And then the, the, what you were just talking about. Yes. Okay. And I think they're, they're the same thing, but I think people, when they hear about smart contact, they get so in the box of it. They don't want to misstep or do anything Mm -hmm. wrong that they say, well, I I told them about the doctor's appointment or the thing. And now I'm done. I don't, I, what what else is there to talk about? Yeah. (laughs) Right. I can't say anything else because anything else it's okay to say if, if you start with that and they, and they seem open to communication back to say back, well, how is your work going? How is your day going? It's okay to ask questions. And so if they are responding back, if smart contact is working, as many people will say, if they seem amicable, then gradually move into having a little bit more conversation. So don't overwhelm with questions, but just start asking them about themselves, about life. What's going on here? What's going on there? Yeah. And if you're afraid that if you do that, your spouse is going to react like, well, smart contact was working, but now you're prying and they start pulling back. Don't be afraid of that. Just watch for it. Mm -hmm. And if you see them stiffen at all, back up any whatever, then you just very gently change the subject. So if you say, how was your day today? And and your wife just goes, rolls her eyes or something, go, you know, I'm asking because actually I had a decent day. And then you tell about your day, move on as if You did not see that interaction or that reaction, I should say, but at the same time, not prying further into her trying to get her to talk. So watch for it and just be ready that if you see the negative reaction of any kind, then what you do is that you just move into something else that is not pushing. That's not prying. Now, if they answer, then you just keep the conversation going as long as they wish. Just like a normal human being. Like, yes. <laughs> as if there as if there were any such thing That's as right. a normal That's human true. being. So start easy, start slow, stop on any negative reaction, don't rush. We're really back to your take it one day at a time kind of thing here, right? Don't have mm-hmm. expectations that it's going to be some kind of a magic wand kind of thing. Right, right. This is a process. The communication in your marriage did not fall apart overnight, and it's not going to magically come back together overnight either. Mm -hmm. This really is a process of two things. The first one is the person doing smart contact, so the person listening to this episode, learning how to be a better communicator. Mm -hmm. That's number one. And then the second thing this does is rebuilds the trust of healthy communication in the relationship. That the other person's not going to judge me, uh, attack me, me, attack me, and those kinds of things. Right. And so we have found sometimes that if the communication is happening at all, for example, she says smart contact is working and then things go silent. Mm -hmm. Well, if it goes silent for a long period of time, I think it would be abrupt just to start back in with something. So if it goes silent for a long time, maybe you need to go do something else. Okay. But if it goes silent for a little while, I have found that often the way you can start the conversation back is with a short story. 
Oh, uh, I talked to the kids' teachers today, and here's what uh, Mrs. Thompson said about Johnny. And, and make it short, though, not long, not drawn out. But you can actually somehow, uh, sometimes, continue the conversation with short stories. But make them very short, because if the other person's not really communicating, a long story is going to drive them away. And then sometimes you can even ask questions, like, what do you think I should say to Mrs. Thompson about Johnny? Mm-hmm. Did I say the teacher's name the same way twice, or did I make up two different names? <laughs> okay. But I don't even know. You can ask. Yeah. But be careful now that you're not doing it to manipulate. In other words, ask only if you want to know. And so you can kind of get the other person to continue the smart contact, to continue conversation, if you be natural, laid back, not pushing, Right. Mm -hmm. So what else would you say about that before we move to the next question? If this woman was talking about it in the sense of we talk for a while, like we talk for a couple of days and then it stops. It really, because we're, you're referring to it more as we're in the same house doing something. We're talking for a little while together in the same room Mm -hmm. and then it stops. Mm -hmm. So if it's, but it's still the same thing, even if it's been a couple of days or a couple of weeks, same principle. You don't want to just abruptly go straight back into it. If it's been a week of not talking to them, look for that organic thing that comes up that will prompt a good reason to reach out to them and then take it from there. Okay. I'm old school. Define organic in this context. (laughs) Something that naturally is happening. Something that is, you're not manufacturing it, but it, it occurred. So again, like, the kids' soccer game that happened yesterday. That happened. Maybe the daughter made a goal. So that's a reason. That could be a prompt of, hey, I'm going to reach out to him and tell him about this. Yeah, you might want to know that Sally made a goal yesterday. She's really proud of herself. You might want to give her a pat on the back. Right. That kind of thing. So looking for the, so that's what I mean, organic. It's happening without you going out and making something happen. Okay, so you're not manufacturing it. You're taking, you're, you're speaking to what actually goes on. Right now, I mean, people have gotten pretty creative with this, too, because Hmm. there's been a couple. uh, I mean, this was several years ago, but there was one woman and she was cleaning out the attic and she found her husband was a big football player. I can't remember the team, but he was or not player, big football fan. And I can't remember the team. And she was upstairs cleaning out the attic and found his collection of Christmas ornaments that was that team. I think it was Uh. the Jets or whatever. And so they hadn't talked in probably six months. But she said, you know what? I'm going to tell him I found this and send it to him. It's a reason. Now, could she have just as easily thrown them out and said, forget about him? Absolutely. But instead, she said, I'm going to use this as a reason to do something nice, send him something I know means a lot to him. And at the same time, it's a reason for me to just simply reach out and see what the response would be. Mm -hmm, But not manipulatively. Like, I found the ornaments, and if you'll come over and have dinner with us, I'll give them to you. That's a good point. So no manipulation with it. Mm -mm. Okay. We have another question here from a husband. And again, one of our staff members will be reading this for you. And uh, let's see what we can do about that question. Hey, you guys. My name is Ryan, and I work on the Facebook admin team here at Maryland Chelper. In my role, I help manage the Facebook groups and direct our members to resources based upon marriage helper research. Dr. Beam and Kimberly Holmes have asked me to read a question that was submitted by one of our listeners for today's episode. One of our listeners asked this, what advice do you have for moving from smart contact to rebuilding a deeper friendship and emotional connection with my spouse? We've been separated for 18 months now, mostly communicate by text. 
I'd like to speak more on the phone, but don't want to push her away. We do believe that face-to-face conversation is better, without a doubt, because you can not only uh, see the words they're typing, but you can understand the emotions behind it about facial expressions, body language, tone of voice, those kinds of things. At the same time, though, if he is not ready, well, actually, it's a she here, it's a wife. If she is not ready to do anything but text, then we'd say, well, face-to-face is so much better, we agree with you. Uh, If you try to make that happen and she's not ready for it, she's probably going to see that as a push. And we wouldn't call that smart contact, right? Yes. So in this instance, I mean, you may, depending on how the text messages are going, you may want to just broach the topic of, uh, you know, hey, could I could I give you a quick call to tell you about my day today or or just try to call her. Just see what happens when you if you're calling maybe on the way home from work and you're just starting the conversation with, hey, just wanted to check in, see how you're doing. Just try to. Start well, how does that blend in with being organic? Because it seems now like you're manufacturing it. Well, because he said we are talking by we, text. Yeah, he said we are talking by text. Mm-hmm. So then my question back to that would be what is stopping you from just calling her? What's stopping you from just taking that same interaction you're having on the te- on text message and calling her on the phone? But you had to be very sensitive because if she reacts negatively, then you can tell she's seeing that as a push, correct? Perhaps. But may- I think the first question I would ask him is, have you asked her what she feels about it? Like, have you asked, can I give you a call or and not make a big deal out of it? Just, hey, I'm maybe it's that he's about to be driving or something where it isn't that he's just you know, so what if, it, what if he did it organically though? Like there's some reason that he needs to call her rather than texting her. He calls her, but it's not something like, how was your day? Or let me tell you about my day. It's like, Oh, I heard from Susie's dentist and he, the dentist said, we need to get braces rather than texting it, which he would normally do just to call and say, don't mean to interrupt, but I, th- I thought maybe we need to talk about this for a second. We can do it better than by text. So yeah, that but, could work. So find <laughs> I think it could work. <laughs> well, see, you've taught me this thing about organic. And I'm trying to figure out how it fits into everything now. Well, yes, but the the only thing that I keep coming back to is a, the generation that's under 40, 45 years old is just hesitant to call anyway. Hmm. And I was reading or listening to something just this past week talking about how actually, I mean, just like, just save the time of doing all the text messaging in the back and forth and just actually pick up the phone and call. And even if they don't answer, leave a voicemail. Hey, I was just calling to check in or to tell you about this. It would be quicker to call. Give me a call back if you can. And just doing it. I think there's a mental block in some people about actually making calls, which used to be the only thing we could do not that long ago. (laughs) Yeah, but it's almost as if texting says, I don't have to really get involved in this. I could be doing something else at the same time. Right. Um, and so call is more intimate, mm-hmm. being able to talk. And and so we would say find a smart contact way, based on all the things we've said so far, to call. Not not manufacturing things, but things that are organic, but find a way to call mm-hmm. to talk to them. And don't expect it to work some kind of a miracle. <laughs> In other words, go slow. 
Just be kind, be gentle. Even in your text, be kind, be gentle. And remember this, that text can be misinterpreted very yeah. easily. And so I, if it were I, I would read and reread my text before I sent them to make sure mm. there's not some way that it might be misunderstood or mm-hmm. misconstructed. And so like, be careful how you say that. Mm-hmm. At the same time, you can't do it by writing 17 paragraphs in the text to make sure you communicate it. Yeah. So I think there's an art to texting with smart contact. There is. But you know what I heard just yesterday on a podcast? What's that? That emojis are the save, like the lifesavers when it comes to text-written communication. <laughs> and here was why the guy said that. He said it because... It's with a simple emoji, you can also con- construe the emotion that you intended behind what you said, because one phrase with one of those like crazy faces beside it is much different with the same phrase with an angry face beside it. Like it's the it is the closest text based way to get the face to face. Therefore, it's called an emoji emotion. Right. Yeah, we're back to hieroglyphics. It's pretty much, <laughs> it was the craziest thing hearing him talk about it. And I just thought, yeah, it's wow. like, let's go back to the tombs in Egypt and learn how to do this. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> insane. But you know, another thing for iPhone users, which you would not. No, I'm a, an Android guy. Yeah, Crazy. However, but another thing that could be a bridge here for iPhone users is the voice text. So you can actually just. The same way. So you go into the text message, you press down on that arrow button and you say whatever it is you need to say. And then it sends it to the person. They can keep the message or it disappears after two minutes after they listen to it. But it's a way for you to start at least taking that same medium of text message sending your voice with it so that she can at least hear your intention. I think we can do that with Android. Oh, I wouldn't know how. I don't know how either. <laughs> okay. So so the suggestion to him is try to get it to a voice, yeah. but don't push by doing it. Be creative. Think it through. And, mm-hmm. and maybe starting with the emojis is the first place to go. But organically, there are reasons to call. Mm-hmm. And, and when those things happen, just give it a shot. Now, if yeah. she says, don't call me anymore, that's a different story. Mm-hmm. But right now, it looks like you are doing some kind of communication by text. And so that works. Mm-hmm. So what are our key takeaways today? Key takeaways is to remember that smart contact is not a magic pill, Mm. but it is the best thing that you can start doing right now to work on becoming a better communicator and to breed better communication in your marriage as well. The second thing is that people typically respond to the attitudes and emotions of the other person. So when you are talking to your spouse Be warm, be friendly, be courteous, be confident, have dignity and respect for yourself, and that will show in the interactions. The third thing is to remember when the time is right, tell short stories as a way to re-engage your spouse back into the conversation. And then finally, remember that patience is key. Take this one day at a time Take this every day at a time because over time it is the best thing you can do to rebuild that positive communication. Uh, And let me tell you about what we'll be talking about next time. We have so many people contact us and say, I think we could put our marriage back together, but my husband or my wife says they're just so filled with shame over what they did that they don't think they can come back. They can never be forgiven, etc. So if your spouse is dealing with shame, or even if you are, 
We'll be talking about that in the next episode of Relationship Radio, but right now, pay attention to these videos. Hi, I'm Nate. This is Kristen. Uh, I really want to speak to all the reluctant people out there. I was very reluctant to do this course. Kristen kept coming towards me, trying to get me to do it, and I just didn't want anything to do with it. Uh, finally, I gave in, and I'm really glad I did. Uh, the course uh, is really science-based. All the stuff you learn, it really gives you an insight into yourself, and not just the marriage, but how to understand yourself better, and then in relation, how to understand your spouse better and communicate better, why you do what you do, that sort of thing. So it's a very good course. I learned a lot. I definitely learned a lot about myself and how I brought my past and my own insecurities from childhood, from um, a previous abusive marriage, how I brought those insecurities into our marriage and how I put that on him and how that made him react to me and just this horrible snowball effect. So I've learned it's not just him, it's it's me as well and, and my part in the marriage. And another thing that I really, really liked about this is that it's not about throwing the other person under the bus or, or pointing fingers at that person, but it's really about looking within yourself, learning who you are, why you do what you do, and the problems that you bring into the marriage. And so if if you're not sure if you want to go and have all these fingers pointed at you. That's not at all how it is. It's all about just looking within and also that it's just a very safe environment. And those safe environments led us to have conversations that I don't think we otherwise would have had conversations I've been needing for a really, really long time. I needed them and I just wasn't getting them. And after this at, at night, we would have conversations that we just really needed to have. And so I'm so thankful for that. And then as far as, you know, making the decision whether whether to fix the marriage or whether to leave, hearing Dr. Joe Beam's story, hearing everybody else's story, being in a, a, a Zoom room with all these other people that are experiencing the same problems as you. And it just, it feels better knowing that you're not alone. But then again, like Dr. Joe Beam, seeing people that have gone through these problems and now they're together and they're happy and they lived together this many years and had a long, happy marriage. And that's what everybody wants. Everybody wants that good marriage and, and it, it's attainable. You can have it if you have the right tools and they, they give you all the tools that you need if you're willing to put in the work. And I read something on Facebook the other day. You can choose your heart. Divorce is hard. I've been through a divorce. I, it tore me apart. It tore my kids apart. And even though that divorce I knew had to happen, it was the best thing for me and the children. It still, it was very hard for me and it was very hard for my kids. So you, you choose your heart and, and this is the heart I want to choose. It's hard, but I, I, you can see through all the people that have made it, it's, it's worth it. So when you're deciding that, you just have to look at whether that person's a good person. Do they deserve the the forgiveness to be able to move forward? Are they willing to work on it with you? I just learned a lot and it was all very worth it. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Relationship Radio. Please refer to the notes in the description to learn more about any resources mentioned in this episode. Please visit our website at marriagehelper.com for more information about our online courses marriage workshops, and coaching. We exist to help save marriages and strengthen families. We look forward to interacting with you on the next episode of Relationship Radio.